1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Caw and today I'm joined by Michael Gannon. Michael, how
2: are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. We're, we're now in the, the International Week wilderness, <laughs> uh, which is either uh, great fun or torture, depending on how you view it. Right. Um, Sometimes I, both. <laughs> I was going to say, I know it's your favourite favourite
1: time of the year. Um, we're also joined today by Matthew
0: Filton. Matthew, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I feel like it's a bit of a wilderness, to be honest. But um, after the, the chaos of Sunday's game, I'm ready for a wee break.
1: Hmm. Well, it's funny you should bring up Sunday's game. Um, well, there was a couple of games on Sunday, but obviously we're here to, to talk about Celtic. They managed to get an imperative, crucial win against Aberdeen. Uh, Michael, I think after the by Leverkusen thrashing um, I think it was non-negotiable that Celtic won
2: that game. Yeah, I think the whole thing was—I was, was, must say a must-win. But you look at the, the away record, the, the kind of top grin to the game. But I have mean, not won away from home in the league since, since Valentine's Day. Um, the kind of the, the doubters were starting to become greater number, weren't they? Leverkusen again turned it a bit of doing, and I don't think Celtic—a a good Celtic team, full strength might have struggled to cope with them anyway so that was the scoreline again made it worse as well so there was a lot of pressure on that game um, I, think we, I think we finally saw a different side to them a wee bit I think the question was always kind of grind out results um, in difficult places uh, it's a concern that I've, I've raised on this podcast a few times that I think going into the winter I think it might be a struggle for them but that's, that's and that was a big test and they came through it I Aberdeen had their own problems and have got their own problems just now so you've got to take that into account as well and um, I think Celtic played quite well first half, not so great second half, but they managed to get a result, which is something they haven't done this season, is play poorly and get a, get a result. They played well and got results, played badly and not get results. Here they did a bit of both and they got a result, so that's a step in the right direction, I think.
1: Uh, uh, Matthews as, as Michael kinda, uh, alluded to there, obviously, the first away win Celtic in the, the premiership since Valentine's Day, which is mad to even say out loud that it's, that it's been that long. Um, they got the win and that's all that really mattered at the end of the day, but when you're looking at Aberdeen going and the fact that they, they still didn't manage to keep a clean sheet, still not quite perfect for South, there's still definitely some issues there.
0: Yeah, definitely the moment I don't think the defence and the, and the keepers are a finished article. You know, Joe Hart has done very well, I would say, since he's come in. I think we've all been pretty impressed by his shot-stopping abilities, which I would argue... We've missed in the last few years. Craig Gordon was a good keeper for Celtic for an extended period of time, but was he a great shot stopper in the big kind of European games? Possibly not. But we have seen that from Joe Hart this season. I think the you know the goal that Aberdeen scored is just a bit of a kerfuffle, really. You know, young 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 Montgomery's missed his header. It's uh, but for me, I, I would have liked to have seen Joe Hart come out and just claim him. You know, just come out and just smash the ball. If you take your defender out, it doesn't matter. At least it doesn't end up in the back of the net. So that was just a wee bit of miscommunication, I think. But in terms of the result, you know, we've seen Celtic struggle at Petaudry a lot, even under Brendan Rodgers, and even when we were playing very well under Neil Lennon as well. It's always a difficult place to go. I mean, I remember we had a very similar game where Christopher Ayer scored the winner a couple of years ago. So it's always going to be a difficult game up there. But I think the international break's come around at the right time because the away win's now secured. You know, he's, he's, got, them, you know, he's got that monkey off his back, if you like. And hopefully, when it comes down to Motherwell, it should be a case of just um, going again from, from at least third or fourth gear.
1: He looks, Michael, uh, the manager that is, he looks as though he's kind of settled maybe on a, a second a half pairing. It looks like um, it'll be Cameron Cam Carter-Vickers and one other. But it, it now looks like, you know, Carl Starfelt has sort of maybe nailed down He start at the last two games. Steve Willsh has found himself on the bench. Would, would that
2: be your pick? Do you think that's fair enough, or is that a bit harsh on Welsh? No, I think think Welsh is, is one is one that's for the present and for the future. So I don't think there's any concerns about Stephen Welsh. I think I think long term he'll, he'll be fine. He's still only a young lad, twenty one. I Think he is, uh, at a moment. Um, Starfield was coming for four and a half million pounds. You'd expect him to play. Um, that's true. Uh, you would do I mean, international for for Sweden. Um, he's a funny one, Carl Starfield, isn't he? I, I think he's he's kind of. Been, I think he's unfairly you kind know, of been scapegoated at times um, but when you make mistakes you're going to get you're going to get criticised and he has made mistakes and some of them have been quite costly um, there's other times I think he's played quite well I thought he played quite well at the weekend um, again he throws in wee bits and moppy bits and bobs at times that, uh, that that causes problems and he's been quite harshly punished at times for these kind of things um, but I think he'll be alright I, mean, I think he's, he's taking a bit of time to settle down and um, I, I, would, so I think he's been actually better than than, than some of the kind of um, response he's had. I think he's, he's actually a better player than, than some people make out. But I do think he has to kind of screw the head a bit and you know, run a consistent form without making these kind of, kind of daft errors. Um, because it are set at half you're, the best set at half so the guys don't notice. The guys don't you don't really you don't really see with their work really, I and mean, you can't. Everyone can't be a, a Virgil Van Dyke like like a bit like a Rolls Royce. But you need to be kind of quiet like about your business and mopping up things and all that stuff and and you need to stop losing goals and set pieces like the still they still seem to do, they have done for, for the last two years. And know every corner kick you think this could be in the back of the net. Again Sunday it happened. Um but I think I think with the run of games, I think Carter Vickers also hadn't played much football. I he played eighty five minutes or something like that for for Spurs in Europe and got injured. Um that's all he played for. Keep he himself. He's not put a lot of games he's thrown right into the mix. So it's going to take them time to get a partnership. half, you can't just throw them together and hope for the best. They need time. They haven't really had that. So I, I, you've got to give them a bit of slack. Um, but I think I think he'll want to put these two together and say, right, there's a run of games. Get us a partnership um, and, and let's see how it goes. Um, but I think there's a making there. I see the jury, you've got to see the jury still out on the both of them because yeah. both the moments when you think, oh, that's, that's a bit ropey that. Um, but that may just be because of lack of football and time to settle and not had much chance um, they also you, I think you've got to cut Celtic center half a bit of slack as well because they don't get a lot of protection yeah. Yeah. When, you look, when you look at um, a lot of the time you get your full-backs up, 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 the, up the flanks but they're up the park f- somewhere or <laughs> up the flanks but up there somewhere they're not there and you don't really have even the holding midfield player kind of, a sitting, there's not really a sitter as such because it's been a kind of a three in there, and they've all been kind of attack-minded. There's not, there's not really that kind of. When you, in years, you would go by going. been two guys sitting in there. It definitely one at least. Not really had that protection. Um, so I, I, I think it's a hard job. Celtic at the half these days. I must admit, you're expected to be a ball player, a ball winner, and you've not really got much protection. So it's a pretty scary job. I think it's. So I feel sorry for me, but.
1: I must Absolutely. say that you, you touched on the next point I wanted to raise uh, Just in regards to Celtic style of play, that uh their fullbacks. I don't know what you thought as well, Matthew, that um it really stood out to me in the Bayer Leverkusen game, this inverted fullbacks that Postecoglou likes to play. I think it was for Bayer Leverkusen's second goal, I think, and it was Robertson was caught playing like centre mid. Yeah. It was, was sorta of bizarre to watch, but I mean, I, I think it's admirable that Postecoglou wants to stick to his, his kind of principles, but surely there comes a time where he has to kind of, you know, I suppose to be the weekend just really grind out
0: the three points. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of, of, his, of his system, which we're all kind of starting to, to get to know a little bit better now, um, and I don't think anybody can deny that the attacking side of the game has been much, much improved from last season. I agree with you a little bit in the sense that I think the fullbacks is the one thing that we kind of quite haven't worked out yet. Um I think Anthony Anthony Rousen's done very, very well this season, um, given where he was as a Celtic player maybe two, even three years ago. He really was not quoted, and I don't think anybody would have wanted him near the first team at that time, but I think he's done really well. I, I only Greg Taylor, which I know we'll discuss later on, that's one of the areas of the pitch where I would say players of that quality aren't quite understanding the embedded role. I don't think they're really quite getting to grips with it. And yeah, against Bayer Leverkusen, it was perhaps a bit naive because, you know, they just absolutely ripped the Celtic defence to shreds. Um, Had Celtic have been playing a more stringent back four, would it have been any different? I probably don't think so. I think Leverkusen were a quality side. I think it was probably going to be three or four anyway, if I'm honest. Um, but no I think that'll take time for the for the young fullbacks, especially like Montgomery who I thought played really really well on Sunday despite his mistake but he makes up for it with a great assist so I think that'll take time I think that's what the one part of the game that Postacoglu will be thinking we really need to brush up on that and you know, we're already talking about fullbacks potentially coming in in January as well. So I think he's he's got options there. If if that's the the one part of the game that's not quite working, then I, I don't think it's too bad. I think he would rather Celtic were scoring goals and keeping clean sheets than if the fullbacks say weren't too adventurous. I think that's not a big problem we have.
1: Well, you mentioned obviously Greg Taylor. Let's let's talk about it now. Then um, Michael news today in the record that. Um, Taylor is set to get a wage rise and a new long term contract. It looks like at Celtic. I'll be honest, he's never quite, you know, without being harsh or, or having a go at him or whatever. He's never quite fully persuaded me that he's the long term solution for Celtic
2: at left back. I mean, is that harsh? Do you think? A wee bit. I think. I think he's, he struggles because he's, he's following the footsteps of a pretty, a pretty decent left back at Celtic, and uh, Kieran Tierney. Um I mean one of, the, one of the best talents produced in Scotland in a generation, to be honest with you. Um so he suffers from not being not key on tierney but that I don't think you can hold that against him. I think I, th- I think the player is worth he's worth keeping around. I think he's he's rarely let Celtic down. Um uh, I think it's difficult from he came from a command team, his job is different than it is at Celtic. I mean, he's asked to go and do these jobs that are that are, um, it's far more complex and more attack-minded than we did come up. I think he's done pretty well. He's never let, he's never let the side down, that's for sure. Um, and, I've, and I've seen this year as well with injuries and all that stuff. You're going to need these guys around. Is he going to be the first choice left back the next five years? I would, I would doubt it. Um, but he's still only 23, I think, Greg. Um, put a lot of games for, for his age. Um, I know he's not, not a young man as such, but he's, he's still a young, youngish kind of player. Um, so I definitely think he's, he's worth to have around. Um, particularly, it could give you 15, 20 games He's Maybe, maybe the full season. Maybe he'll grow into a role even more. I think, back to talking about the inverted fullbacks, I don't think that helps these guys Ask that roll up. Listen, I've been on it before. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it. I think you're asking guys to do a job that they've never done in their careers. If you're a fullback, you spend your entire life from 10 years old facing forward, and, and overlapping and you're always going forward or run back you're, on the street, you're up and down that, that flank as soon as you bring a guy into the middle of the park I and mean, literally they're taking ball. sometimes like, like we saw week with, with, with Tony Ralson. he's getting the ball on the halfway line 20 yards in from the touchline but with his back to the goal in front of him but the, the attack, uh, with attacking you're asking these guys to take a ball on his feet turn make a pass that's, that's that whole point. You're overloading that midfield, get the ball on your feet, turn and make a pass and you're up through the through the, uh, through the the lines. That's a skill these guys have never been taught before. <laughs> I mean, you're, unless you Joshua Kimmich. It's, a, it's not a skill that you've ever had to use that often. If you're a fullback, you're in training. You're hugging the touchline and you're up the, up the line, uh, overlapping your winger your and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a whole new skill for a wingback or a fullback to learn. Take the ball on your feet, look up, with, sense what's around you, turn and make a pass. There's a reason why number 10 is for number 10, because they can do that all the time. They have done it all the time. But you're asking a fullback to a number 10? Good luck. I mean, <laughs> image can do it. But, and City's guys can do it, but they're a hundred million pounds of talent. So I think it's, you, you've got to cut you guys a bit of slack, because it's a very, it's asking them to, to um, perform tasks that maybe way ahead of their skill level. I think they've done pretty well at it, to be honest with you. When it works, it's worked a treat. But um, it's not worked, I think it looks stodgy as well. I, I, I saw it at Livingston. and The two fullbacks are really, really narrow at Livingston, and you're thinking they're narrow in the pitch. that's already narrow at Livingston, and, it, and you can see because Livingston had their two banks, and there were so many bodies, and, and nobody could move. You think that's when you really need people to, to stay wide and, and stretch rather than condense and look for you look, you look to break lines that aren't even there because when there's that many bodies, there aren't any lines. There's just bodies everywhere. So I think that's something that needs to be looked at. They don't do it all the time, by the way. Don't do. They don't invert the fullbacks all the time. I do it occasionally during the game, and it does, does kind of—it's kind of fluid the way they do it. Sometimes they overlap as well, so it's not all the time. Just that when they do it, it has to be the right time because they have been caught out by doing it a few times. I think that's—it's it's not helped Greg, and it's, it's not helped uh, Tony Ralston. But again, I think the two of them have done pretty well at times this season. I think Greg Taylor's been a, a miss. Um, he's one of these guys that you maybe don't realise until he's not in the team. Um especially because they've not really got a left back. <laughs> so you're going, to miss, you're going to miss your only left back who's on the team. I was,
1: I was, was going, going to mention there that obviously I was at the, the Leverkusen game last week um, and obviously it was Adam Montgomery who's, who started at left back. Um, and if you'd said Matthew to a lot of Celtic fans, you know, a few months ago, you know, you were be starting against one of the best teams in the Bundesliga with Ralston and Montgomery as your throwbacks and they'll be playing sort of inverted. I think they've never done before. A lot of Celtic fans wouldn't have believed you. Um, we, I bought tickets. <laughs> that, eh? um, but to be fair, like you said, Michael, I think they've, they've actually done over, overall, they've actually coped pretty well with it. You know, Overall, when you put it the way you just did, you know, it's a skill they've never been asked to do before. Doing it against maybe not one of the best teams in Europe, but one of the best teams in the Bundesliga. Um, I mean, doing it against teams in the, the Scottish Premiership will be, will be hard enough. Um so I do have a bit of sympathy for people like Ralston Montgomery, who are still
2: really young and kind of thrown in majorly at deep end. I think Montgomery's a talent. I think he'll I think he make the grade. I think he's a good lad. I think he's um I like him more in an attacking sense. I think he's good going forward. I think he's think he's more a wing back um than a full back. I don't know. Um a modern wing back these guys, that's the way they play now, isn't it? They're not they're not particularly pigeonholed anymore. But I think he's I think he's got a bit about him. Um I think he's maybe been thrust into the position quicker than we thought uh, this year because of um, necessity but I think he is a, a talent who will go on and do well I think We obviously saw that um, Cairo um, scored against Aberdeen should have scored at
1: least once or twice against Leverkusen but didn't find the back of the net uh, he's now got 8 goals in 13 games Matthew which is for a new player coming in as an amazing record um, the only concern that I would have from a Celtic point of view is it to like
0: too, too reliant on Kyogo already. At the team, it seems there's a bit of a void. Yeah, I think at the moment that would be a fair point to make. You know, when, when the news came through that he'd injured, he got injured on international duty, it was it was a real downer. And I think because, you know, we haven't really seen Gio Kamaikis yet, we don't really know about his fitness. I mean, I'm just saying... He's, he's potentially ready to go. He's, we've seen brief cameos of him recently, but we definitely do not have the have the depth in that kind of centre-forward role. So if Kyogo was to go down with another injury or God forbid, go on a poor run of form, which he hasn't been doing, maybe, you know, Celtic's forward kind of thinking players would really, really struggle. And I think the, the reliance is definitely there, but I would argue the reliance is also there on Jota and Abad at the moment, because... You know, James Forrest's not available either. As of yet, we don't really know much about the timeline there. And you know, Jota is by far Celtic's only real option on that left-hand side as well. So there's an over for me in the entire attack, not necessarily Kyogo. But I mean, in terms of of my lifetime watching Celtic, I've, a player hasn't excited me as much as Kyogo does in years. Literally years. I, I could maybe say Scott Sinclair, maybe initially came in. It was quite an exciting kind of prospect. Obviously, Nakamura back in the day, that was another really exciting player. But for me, he's probably the most, you know, excitable player that I've seen in years watching Celtic. So the reliance is there, yeah. But I, I mean, I think, you know, Andrew obviously has a good relationship with him. Um, I think he could really commit himself to Celtic for years to come. I, really, I don't see him, you know, saying, I don't see him being tempted by the, the lure of a Premier League offer or maybe even a Championship offer. I could see him genuinely wanting to play for Celtic for years. So, yeah, we're relying on him a bit, but you're hoping that he's going to stay and he's going to become a bit of a legend. So, I think he's he's well on his way to doing that.
1: Michael, you must have been impressed with Kyogo over the last couple of months.
2: Yeah, but I'm, a, I'm an old cynic, so I, I think it's too early to be to be, um, to be making uh, rash statements. I, I, my only concern is that he's, he's already played, I think, 30-odd games in Japan this year. Um, uh, actually getting injured a month out might not have been the worst thing for him at that time, because his season's basically up. He's played his 40 games for the year, um, so... I think it's going to be hard for him to go through it. The winter. winter shutdown is going to be key for him as well because it's going to be a, a long season and a half for him. Um, so, when I, mean, I, hate, I hate getting into the old kind of Scottish-world cliches, but it does get hard in Scotland through November, December. The weather stinks. The pitches start cutting up. You're playing against teams who are battle-hardened and know how to make it really tough. You're, you're, you're Livingston and St Johnson's. I mean, I mean these places are difficult. Like have been to Pottage at the weekend, so they were. Um, so it's going. To, it's going to have a harder spell. I think it's nice when the, park, the pitches are nice and slick and all that stuff. And it's quick and it's, it's and the weather's okay. Um, but when he's got, when he's starting to play fifty odd games, and then he's going to uh, a Tuesday night in Dingle or something like that. It's not that easy. It's and listen, and several players through the years have found that that kind of difficult as well. Um, especially kind of your flair player players. Um, like he like has he somebody who's, who's relies on his movement and his speed um, that's that's difficult I um, say it's all can, can, can I do it I like a wet Tuesday night I hate <laughs> I hate that kind of chat but there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of element of truth to it as well because I've been to these games I've seen a million of them they kind of stinky midweek horrendous weather jobs and you need to go and get in there and get out it's going a long hard season for him uh, if he can stay fat, he'll be a key man that's what he is as, as Matthew was saying he's exciting he gets people off their, off their, off their seats and all that stuff, but it's going to be a hard shift for him because he has relied on, and he's going to be relied on for a lot more a lot more games to come.
1: Matthew, I thought that was dead. You know, it was nice your kind of passions. It will be around for years, and you know, uh, you know, he's yeah, he's really most exciting player I've seen. For anyone listening, this is your Celtic podcast debut, so don't worry, Michael and I will beat that out of you over the next few podcasts. Yeah.
2: Listen, listen, we usually get, get Sutty here pouring cold water and everything that he says, so it's, uh, I've, got, I've got to sit in a, like, a Sutty role today and be kind of sceptical, Dr. Doom, the kind of grumpy the grumpy man. I think he's.
1: I think he'd be proud of you, Michael. I think he'd definitely be proud of how you've filled the role today. I, I
2: doubt it. No one's sootie, I doubt it. A <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: couple of other stories that, that have done really well on on the Daily Record website um, over the last week or so. Uh, One revolves around Robbie Brady. There's been a couple of stories in the paper on the website. Um, He's been linked again with Celtic. He's he's actually, he's only 29. He's he's a free agent and I read quotes the other day from um, Neil Warnock, the Middlesbrough manager, who was having a go at his agent and I think he may have alluded to the fact that Celtic were interested. Is he the kind of player that would still do a job for Celtic? He's always been a really I thought a really good player in the past in the Premier League, really good left foot. I mean, is he the kind of player that could prove to be a cheap, kind of
2: ready-made option? I don't know how cheap he'd be right enough. I don't know, what, I don't know what if, um, if cheap is the right, right phrase. I think he's um, a guy who spent his entire career nah. in the Premier League. Um, I think he would probably still view himself as a Premier League player. Um, strange how he's, how he's now found himself out of work, isn't it? It's weird then. Eh? I mean he played a lot of games last year for, for um for Burnley and and, and he was still in Ireland, obviously. Um so it's a strange one. I see of these guys seem to have slipped through the net a wee bit. I don't know if he maybe had options and was holding out for something a bit better than never happened for him. Uh, I think that's what you're mentioned, the kind of Walnut th- factor that it, it sounds like he's maybe demands were too high or he's got some better offers in the pipeline, but he's, he's free to sign for he wants now. So um I'm not entirely sure. I think he's he's, he's optionally limited now because he's not in playing. So he's, he's been kind of stuck in limbo. If Celtic could go and get him, it looks like a no-brainer. I mean, it's it just looks like a, a if they can go and get him, um, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't. It's, a, it's an available player, and a role they need to fill. Um, my only thought is that he might be holding out for for something. Messi, is his peak. This is this is kind of maybe just slightly over his peak. No, not really. We're twenty-nine. So um, if they can go and get him, yeah, but it it might be an expensive gamble because because unfortunately the, the the going rate now for a pretty bog-standard fullback back in England at that level it's probably about forty grand a week. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I, mean, I mean, like Shane Duffy, last year, Shane Duffy wasn't on much less than that or maybe even more than that. Um, and obviously, Shane experience the Celtic wasn't particularly pleasant the way it worked out. Um, so it, it just shows you the kind of level that these guys are at. Um, even the Championship now in England, I mean, the, the wage bills down there, easily comparable with Celtic's wage bill. Yeah. Um, probably I would say Celtics were probably maybe mid-table championship now um, so they're a tough market for that kind of level of player but he's not got a job it's just is bizarre really isn't it, um, easy, isn't it? wouldn't have to ask that's for sure I and mean, that's why I brought it up
1: obviously it's performed well on the website there's been a lot of people viewing it obviously it's something that that you know you would read into it then Matthew that Celtic fans would be quite keen to see him come um, and I think I think I think you're right Michael, it's, all, it's, almost, it's almost as though
2: you feel like you don't know the full story because it seems so strange, it seems like just such a no-brainer. You know, Celtic have been made aware that he's available at some point, mm-hmm. but it may be that Celtic now have have, have used up their, their pot of dough for this window
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they'll need to wait and reassess it in January um, because they have they have bought in a lot of new players um, right up to the end of the window. So it might be that a phone call was made. What's the kind of dosh he was looking for? All right, well, we'll get back to you. Phone yeah. <laughs> call us. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me either. We'll keep your number on the Rolodex.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, no, I, I do think it's a strange one, though. The, the fact that he's got no club. But I suppose time will tell what, how it all pans out. Um, as we've said, it's obviously International Week. Um, but when Celtic come back, they are, as uh, you said on the podcast, Matthew, they're at Fir Park, I think. First of all, in the league uh, on Saturday the 16th um, against Motherwell. That'll be a tricky game. I mean, Motherwell being a bit up and down, but I've been impressed by that uh,
0: Kevin Van Bean for Motherwell. I think he looks like a good player. And I think it's always tricky going there. Again, yeah, tough place to go. Um, I think when you look at, you know, obviously before Sunday, everyone was champing about having not won an away game. And then you actually deep dive into, well, what what were those three away games? Ibrox? Tynecastle Castle and Livingston possibly the three hardest I would argue in the league to go to Um, and Motherwell I would put in that same bracket it's always a always a tight game Um, they're always really really up for it but I think that's why the international break has come at the right time Um, I think you know Ange and the team can take a bit of a breath from Sunday and say right okay we've we've got that hoodoo over and done with now. It's time to go to Motherwell and get a result. And I think for Celtic, you know, this is, a you know, Michael said, you know, the winter is, is a tough time in Scottish football, not just with the conditions, but also with the games. You know, you're playing in the Europa League. You're potentially playing in a cup final. You're playing in the league. You know, the Scottish Cup begins at the end of January. So there's so many fixtures in such a short period of time. And you are one day away from home on a Wednesday night and then you're back at Parkhead on a Saturday. It's constant movement. You're away in Europe the week later. So I think for Andy and the team, this point in the season is absolutely crucial. Um, if Celtic can go and win convincingly against Motherwell on Saturday, that's a good start. Got to go and beat Ferdinand varos in the Europa League, of course, if there's any chance of that campaign surviving. And then, you know, you're looking at Hibs at the end of the month away from home as well. And I, th- I believe it's St. Johnson at home before that. So those are all of those games are absolutely winnable. And that's that's the way the team's got to go into it. They've got to look at it and say, we need to start picking up a really good run of points, especially on the road. Um, because for all people have said about Rangers, they have actually done that this season. They have grinded out results and Celtic need to get back to that. They need to get back to going to these tough to go places and just getting a result. Whether it's 2 1, 3 1, 1 0, doesn't matter. Just points on the board is is what's absolutely key, especially at this point in the season.
1: I think as as Matthew kind of says, Michael, there's no let up in Scottish football, you know. The Celtic now fighting on
2: it'll be four fronts come January and, and it's you know, every game is bigger than the last. And that that's, that's the challenge and that's that's the concern that I've got with the Celtic squad because I mean they've gone they've gone nine games and three wins in nine in the last the last block of games. Which isn't good enough. Uh, I know there's been two European games in there, but still, it's not. That's that's not a run that they, they can afford to make. And that's in October when they get some injuries. That's going to be the case all season. They're going to be periods when they're, they're men down, they're, they're without four or five players, and the squad's just a bit light. I mean, uh, uh, the midfield, I think, is is really light. I mean, you've mentioned that the, the reliance on. Um, Yotta and Abada. I think the middle of the park is even more alliance. I mean, we saw at the weekend um, near Torn coming back in and August, take a day off. Um, but certainly I've been relying on McGregor, Rogic and Turnbull as the midfield three pretty much most of the season. McGregor is injured and the team kind of falls to bits a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's missing. Um, James McCarthy still ought to prove fitness-wise. I think the more he plays the, the, the better it will be. And... Um, um, not not the same kind of player as McGregor though. Different kind of player. Um, a sorrow in there. Jury still out with the sorrow. I think he'll be able to play some weeks um, and do a decent enough job. But he's still young, but I'm not sure. Then the more advanced position, Turnbull and Rogic. It's a lot on their shoulders really, because the, Rogic in particular hasn't played a full season for as long as I can remember, and he's going to have to play week in week out. Um, and he's playing week four. It, kind of game, but he looked. He looked like a man who was quite tired at that point in time. Roger She looked at a guy that had a run of games. That um, he, he, he was starting to get a bit, a bit kind of, a um, kind of weary. Um, it was, it was, throw, was it in the cup game. He looked a bit weary. Yeah. But he's not used to it. He's not used to playing that that kind of, yeah. of games. He's a kind of in and out kind of guy. The best times, even during his best seasons with uh, under, under, um, Ben Under and Brendan Rodgers, he may not play every week. He was made an impact player. Some some weeks start or some. Rest of the next, he's not, he's not, he's had his problems fitness That's so why he's got a lot on his shoulders. They would tumble it as well, got a lot on his shoulders to play week in week out. But once they, those guys are injured, I don't see where the cover is really. There's that like five guys for three roles to last the whole season. So, uh, this next period, they need to keep guys fit, they need to get some momentum. And as, as, as Matthew said, they need to put a run of results together, they need to put a run of wins together, not results, need to put a run of wins together. Yeah. They haven't done that yet. The six in the bounce in August, September against a lot of kind of teams that you expect to beat really and I take Alkmaar out of that one but I'm talking domestically Um, we're playing a lot they played five in the road Parkhead won them all convincingly scored a lot of goals got the expectation up slightly falsely Um, this next period is more of a kind of max bag there's some games at Parkhead expect to be quite comfortable other games like Matthew said Easter Road's a big test Um, so we'll find out Pretty shortly, I think, where Celtic are going to be. Um, This is the period last year when it all went completely wrong for Celtic. They had injuries, a tough run of fixtures, a hectic fixture list, and it all went to pot for them. So this is going to be, they need to get through, they need to survive this period without that kind of of spell. Because the end that period, on the back of three wins in nine, I think Celtic went two and twelve at that period, and ended up with Folk in the car park protesting. Um, it's different this time because I think people understand the manager has had to start from scratch and it's a long way back. So I think you'll get a bit more patience, but he needs to get through the next six, seven, eight weeks and still be in touch in the league. You need to be up because sixth position league now need to be up there on, on Rangers' coattails and I need to be slightly better off than they are in Europe just now because, um, because obviously the first two games will be disappointing.
1: I think what says, we're, we can be in agreement that it won't be boring. I think it certainly won't be um, short of talking points. Um, I think well, for today, that, that brings us to the end of today's Record Celtic podcast. Matthew, making your debut. Thanks very much. It was a pleasure.
0: Aye, thank you. I, I hope to hope to come on again and give my um, slightly uh, optimistic uh, insights. <laughs> and Michael, it, uh, it's always a pleasure
1: spending my lunchtime with you. Uh, thanks. Thanks for joining us.